there was a woman from Phoenix named Charlotte Robinette. And one day, Charlotte, she was having a normal morning. She was putting her lunch together, packing it, getting ready to go to work. And while she was doing that, her phone rang. Well, she answered her phone, and, and a voice came on the other side and said, Mom, Mom, please help me. Mom, these men, they've taken me. And then all of a sudden, a man's voice came on the phone and said, Hey, we've got your daughter, and you need to do whatever we say if you ever want to see her alive again. How much would you pay for her life? Well, this has got to be a parent's worst nightmare, right? The kidnappers demanded that Charlotte do whatever they say if she ever wanted to see her daughter again. The first thing that they told her she needed to do was wire some money to a bank account in Mexico. After she did that, they told her to do it again, but to go to a different location in her town. And then when she did that, they told her to do it again. And over and over they did this until finally they told her, okay, now you need to go to Mexico, to the bank, and you need to put the money directly in the account there. So she did. She crossed the border, she went to the bank, and she put in every last penny that she had in her retirement account. And then she went home, hoping that her daughter would be set free. Once she got home, she was sitting there anxiously waiting when she just decided to try and call her daughter. So she got her phone out, called her daughter, and sure enough, her daughter picked up. She said, hey, Mom. She said, Kristen, where, where are you? Are you okay? What's happening? Her daughter said, I'm fine. I'm sitting here at my house. What are you talking about, Mom? And instantly, Charlotte realized that she had been the victim of a scam and that she had been scammed out of $11,000. This particular type of scam is called virtual kidnapping, where criminals convince someone that they are holding a loved one hostage in order to get you to send them money. Now, maybe as I shared that story with you, some of you saw from the very beginning that it was a scam. Perhaps some of you did. Maybe some of us had the discernment to see right through that. But there are lots of scams around today. Uh, In fact, there was a study that found that last year alone, 21 million Americans fell victim to some sort of financial scam. So, of course, there's a lot of warning signs. They say some of the red flags to look for is that scammers typically... Uh, they will try and pressure you into making a decision really quickly. Or they might try and sell you products at an unrealistic uh, discounted price. Or they'll tell you to invest your funds into something and they'll promise this big gain with no risk. These are the types of things to look out for. Scammers, they might give very few details. They, They try and convince you that they've got some sort of secret method to getting rich quick. But of course they can't share it with you. And on and on. It goes. So ultimately, we have to be discerning out in this world. We have to know what to do and what not to do so we wouldn't fall for these sort of financial scams. But here's the thing. In a similar way, there are a lot of spiritual scams out there in the world today. Uh, There are people who are teaching things. They'll tell you that if only you follow their unique teaching and their secret knowledge, well, then you'll receive success or riches from God. Or they'll teach and tell you that, uh, that they can let you know which doctrines in Scripture are relevant today and which ones are not. Then, of course, there are financial spiritual scams. Some will teach you that if only you buy this product of theirs, well, then you'll be healed or you'll be successful. God will be with you. 
Someone recently sent me the information of one such scam from a supposed pastor who sells what he calls miracle water, which he guarantees will change your life. Why? Well, because he's anointed it and he's prayed over it. Some spiritual scams like this are obvious, but others are more subtle. And that's why year after year, people fall victim to the lies of these false teachers. Now, look, church, we've recently talked about false teachers together. They're the ones that the Apostle John referred to as antichrists. They're the wolves in sheep's clothing that try and sneak into churches and lead astray God's people. We've talked about them recently. We've talked about how to recognize them. Why? So that we could preserve sound doctrine and unity in the local church. You see, we should desire that the church would be a wolf-free zone. But here's the problem. The world never will be. Okay, remember, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, he told his disciples that he was sending them out as sheep among wolves in the world. So believers, it's important for us that we understand how to spot the difference between sheep and wolves when we are out in the world. Now to do that, we need to have godly discernment in spiritual matters. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me this morning to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to see some of the do's and don'ts of spiritual discernment so that we won't fall victim to these false prophets, these false teachers, and these spiritual scams in the world today. 1 John chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you, use, uh, use one of those Bibles here in the sanctuary. There should be under the seat in front of you or one of the seats in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn to page 987. Page 987, 1 John chapter 4. Let's look there together. Look at verse 1. John writes this. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Just wait right here for a second. Church, here's the thing. You're going to hear plenty of people in the world promoting different teachings of the Bible, teachings of God, and spiritual teachings. Uh, they'll be on TV. They'll be on your social media feeds. They'll be all over YouTube. And you need to ask yourself, when you hear these teachers, you need to ask, are they operating under the direction and influence of the Holy Spirit or under the influence of the devil? You see, those teachers who are truly followers of Jesus Christ, well, they're going to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And as such, they're going to genuinely and diligently teach you God's Word. But those teachers that are false teachers, false prophets, swindlers looking to rob you for their own gain, their own fame, well, they operate under the direction of the enemy, the devil. That shouldn't surprise us. Listen to how the devil is described in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, describes the devil as the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. See, the devil is at work in the hearts of false teachers. And believer, if we want to be discerning, then first, do not blindly believe every teacher. Do not blindly believe every teacher. 
Do not so easily trust every spiritual teaching just because someone calls themselves a Christian or a pastor or a prophet or a teacher. They can hold the Bible up. They can say a bunch of nice things. They can give you a million-dollar smile, but that does not make them a follower of Jesus Christ. We need to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7. In Matthew 7, Jesus said that on the day of judgment, many are going to come to him and they're going to say, Lord, didn't we, didn't we prophesy in your name? Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Perform many miracles in your name? Jesus said he's going to look at them and say, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. A believer, here's the thing. There are a lot of people doing things in the Lord's name, they'll say. Teaching in his name. But they have never put their faith in his name. Now, they care only about making their own name great among men. Do not be deceived by them. Well, instead, what should we do? Well, to be discerning, what we need to do is we need to test the spirits, John says. That's what we need to do if we want to be discerning. Test the spirits. How do we do that? Look at verse 2. John says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So, so how... How do we make sure that we aren't blindly following teachers and teachings? Well, we test the spirits, all right? First, we do that by, by listening carefully to what is taught, and then we compare it to the truth. You see, false teachers, church, they're going to give themselves away at some point. And one of the key tests is to listen to what they teach you about Jesus Christ. See, back in the Apostle John's day, there was this, this heresy that was starting to take root Later, it would become full-blown and known as Gnosticism. Gnosticism. It comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means to know. That's because a hallmark of Gnosticism was that they taught if you wanted salvation, you had to have the secret knowledge, this, this higher knowledge, very mystical about it. But there were some other things that they taught. They also believed that all matter, all physical matter was inherently evil, and anything spiritual was inherently good. Now, as such, that meant that some of them taught that Jesus didn't take on a physical human body because that would have been evil. He didn't come in the flesh. No, no, no. Instead, they taught that Jesus eh, just appeared to have a human body. just seemed like he did. Or there were other Gnostics who taught that, well, the Messiah, the spirit of the Messiah, came on this man named Jesus when he was baptized, and then right before Jesus was crucified, the spirit of the Messiah left him. These were some of their teachings. Well, all teachings like this deny that Jesus came from God in the flesh. John says denial like that proves that somebody's a false teacher because those things contradict the clear teaching of God's Word. John chapter 1, verse 14 says that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So it's heresy. Now, look. Is that a prominent heresy that you and I are going to hear today? Probably not. We're probably not going to hear that one. Now, this is just, this is an example that John gives us. 
There are plenty of other false views that people present about Jesus today. There are plenty of people who say that Jesus is not, he's not fully God, or they'll say that he was just a good man. But perhaps the most common one is that many people will teach you that Jesus is not enough for your salvation. They'll say, oh yeah, Jesus is the Savior, he's the Son of God, all that's true. But his sacrifice was insufficient for me and you. That's what they'll teach. This is what many false prophets teach today when they say that, well, you also have to manifest some sort of special spiritual gift if you want to be saved. Or when they say that you need to tithe a certain amount to them in their ministry if you want to secure good standing with God. Or when they say that you have to do a certain type of penance if you want to receive forgiveness. In all these things, false teachers are telling you that Jesus is not enough. And how somebody presents Jesus Christ to you is a major indicator. Is that teacher operating under the influence of the Holy Spirit or under the influence of the devil? Okay. It's easy for a lot of us to spot the false teacher who claims that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, that he wasn't miraculously born of, uh, of a virgin, that he's not divine. We recognize those as blatantly false. Many of us do. The real danger today are the ones who say, nah, Jesus is all of those things, but he's not enough. You need more than Jesus to be saved. Be careful, believer. Don't, don't be deceived by these types of things. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 10 that we are to be innocent as doves and wise as serpents in the world. What he meant is that his people are to be innocent as to evil, but wise concerning all else in this life. So that means we're to be wise in regards to these, and we should be wise and test the spirits to see whether they have come from God. How do we test something to see if it's false? By looking at the truth. Remember, test all spiritual teachings against Scripture, against the Word of God. There's a great example for us of that in Acts chapter 17. It's short, but it's really sweet, so I'd encourage you to go home and read it. In Acts chapter 17, we find that the Apostle Paul went and he preached the gospel in Berea, and it says that there were Jews here. This is in Acts 17.11. It says that the Jews there received the message with great eagerness and that they examined the Scripture every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's wisdom. That's discernment. That's how you make sure to test the spirits. And church, you see, this, this is why you must be familiar with your Bible. Not, not with social media theology, and not with Google doctrine, and not with what popular pastors say. No, no, no. You need to know your Bible. Because if you don't, then you need to understand, you will be ripe picking for the devil's preachers. You need to understand that. False prophets have followings for a reason. There's a reason that lots of people follow them. It's because they prey on the undiscerning. Church, let's make sure that that's not us, okay? That we are not easy prey for the devil's preachers. Now, don't be deceived. Don't blindly follow spiritual teachers, but do test the spirits. John has more for us. Look at verse 4. 
He says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. It would be good for us to read that every single day as Christians. I don't know about you, but there are these times, there's times when maybe like me, you see these false teachers on television, online, you know that they're false teachers. And they've, they've amassed these big followings, they've got big bank accounts, they've got private jets, and you start to think that maybe the enemy has the upper hand in some things. Oh, but then we come to 1 John chapter 4. We have these great truths here, believers. We don't need to fear, we don't need to be discouraged. Instead, we need to remember that we already are victors in Christ Jesus. The enemy will not defeat him, and the Holy Spirit of God who is in us is far greater than him who is in the world. But it's important for us to know who we are in Christ Jesus, just as it is important for us to know who our enemy is. See, here's what I want us to understand. If you want to be spiritually discerning, then do not be ignorant of the devil and of his children. If we want to be spiritually discerning, don't be ignorant of the devil and of his children. We've overcome them, but we should not be ignorant of them. There's once a young boy was thinking about spiritual things one day. So he went to his dad and he said, Dad, so I was wondering, is the devil bigger than me? Dad said, yeah. Yes, he is. He's bigger and stronger than you. He says, yeah, okay. He says, but dad, is the devil bigger than you? The dad said, yes. He's bigger and stronger than me. This blew the boy's mind. Couldn't believe what he was hearing. So he thought about and he said, okay, well, Dad, is the devil bigger than God? And his dad said, not by a long shot. He said, God is bigger and God is stronger. Well, and the boy said, well, then I'm not going to worry about the devil because I know that God lives inside of me. Now, that boy was spot on, right, Christians? We don't need to fear the devil. God lives in us. But I actually shared that story because, you know, when I first read it, I thought to myself, his father made a really good point that I think a lot of believers ignore. The devil is more powerful than you and me, believer. But he's not more powerful than the Holy Spirit living within us. So we don't need to fear the devil, but we do need to be aware of him and his mission and the ministry of his evil ones. You see, sadly, many Christians choose to ignore the reality of the devil and his influence in the world. Wow, to them, ignorance is bliss. That's not true. Now, ignorance in these things leads to being defeated and fooled by the devil's lies rather than living as victors in Jesus Christ. You see, the devil loves to catch Christians unaware and ignorant of his purposes. He, oh, he loves that. That's why 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us that we need to be alert. Why? Because our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So Peter said, be alert. Peter said, resist him standing firm in the faith. But you see, we can't do those things if we choose to live ignorant of the enemy that we face. Nor should we be ignorant of the enemy's children, these false teachers running around deceiving many people. And we need to understand the spiritual battle that we find ourselves in in this world. 
Let's not be ignorant of these things. That's dangerous to be ignorant of them. Read an old story of an arrogant prince who decided he was going to, he had this big army. He decided, well, I have a big army. He's going to take this big army and he's going to make war against the emperor of China. But he was cautioned by some people. They told the prince, they said, don't underestimate your enemy and his ability and what they can do. Prince didn't care. Didn't want to hear about that. He didn't want to know anything about the enemy. Why should he know anything about the enemy? Didn't matter. He's just focused on his own ability and the size of his army. So he went off to war. He was very easily defeated. Now perhaps it was an event like that that led to this ancient military advice. The ancient military advice says this. It says, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy then for every victory you gain, you will also suffer a defeat. In other words, believers, here's the thing. We can't be ignorant, unlearned, uneducated about the fact that when we walk out into the world, there are many spiritual dangers lurking out there, including agents of the enemy who desire to lead God's people astray. Be aware of the enemy. Not scared. Not scared of the enemy. That's what I'm saying. But we need to be aware Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that our battle in this life, believers, isn't against flesh and blood. No, it's against the spiritual forces of wickedness, against the devil and his horde of demons. Yet we're never told to fear those things. Now, fear robs us of our joy and confidence in Christ. No, rather we must recognize who our enemy is and recognize where our strength is found. Don't be ignorant to these truths. Because if we're ignorant of these things, we're not going to be spiritually discerning. So don't be ignorant. And the next thing, if we want to be spiritually discerning, is that we do need to rely on the one who is living within us. Again, John said, the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you, Christian. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you put your faith in him as your Savior, then Romans chapter 8 says, the Holy Spirit lives within you. Again, that means we don't need to fear our enemy. It also means that we don't need to rely on ourselves when it comes to these spiritual battles that we face, when we go against our enemy. It also means that when we hear someone teaching some spiritual truth, and we find ourselves a little unsure about that teaching, or remember, we go to God's Word, right? We compare it to the truth. But maybe you do that and you still find yourself a little unsure. Well, the good news is you don't have to do this by yourself. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. Always remember that. Pray that he would give you wisdom and depth of understanding so that you could discern what is true and what is false. Because far greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So, believer, don't be ignorant of the enemy, but do rely on the Holy Spirit. A little bit more for us to see. Verse 5. John said, they, they're from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Look, here's the thing. False teachers 
say what the world wants to hear because they're part of the world. The world is always looking for quick fixes, material gain, personal pleasure. That's what false teachers offer. Health, wealth, salvation by works. The world eats it up. Not only that, these awful teachers, they mix in a little bit of truth with their lies so that they can deceive all these people. Again, none of this should surprise us. Those false teachers, they are truly of the devil. In fact, 2 Corinthians 11 describes it to us this way. 2 Corinthians 11 tells us that false teachers masquerade as teachers of truth. Why? Well, because their master, the devil, masquerades as an angel of light. And they're just like the devil. But you know what? We who are spiritually discerning, we're going to see right through that. We're going to see them for who they are because we're going to recognize that they speak from the viewpoint of the world. Believer, it's true that if we want to be spiritually discerning, we... We have to listen to what someone teaches. And then we compare it to Scripture and we rely on the Holy Spirit. We have to do those things. But here's the thing. Once we recognize someone who's a false teacher, once we know that that is the case, then if we want to be spiritually discerning, do not give them an audience anymore. Do not give them an audience anymore. In other words, once you've identified the false teacher, stop listening to them. Just stop. Don't allow your minds to be filled with falsehood because eventually some of it might sink in. I know this might sound like an obvious point, but I bring this up because I know plenty of believers who over the years have told me the names of preachers and teachers that they've heard that they admit "Ah, their teaching is questionable or wrong. But then they'll tell me after saying all that, they'll say, but you know what, I really like to listen to them. Why? Why? It doesn't matter if they teach some good things. If they teach false things, they teach heresy, then don't give them an audience. What does John say? John says, whoever knows God listens to the truth. Once you recognize the spirit of falsehood, flee far from it. Rescue as many people as you can and then flee far from it. Don't give them an audience anymore. See, if we want to be spiritually discerning, we don't want to give an audience to false teachers. But what we want to do is we do want to listen to the truth of Scripture. The spiritually discerning want to listen to the truth of Scripture. Listen to true biblical teaching, always comparing it to the Word of God. By the way, it's one of the reasons why we talk about open up the Bible, see what's in the Bible. Bring your Bible, read your Bible. Compare what is taught to what God's Word says. Again, maybe this last point is kind of obvious, flee from false teachers, but... You know, I once had a friend who was very wrapped up in the prophecies of an internet teacher. A teacher is now deceased. And this, this, uh, this supposed prophet made a lot of really vague prophecies. By the way, good mark of a false prophet, they make vague prophecies. Something that's kind of unclear so that when something happens, they can say, that's what I told you. They make very vague prophecies. But here's the thing. Some of this man's prophecies clearly did not come to pass. What would that make him? A false prophet, right? My friend admitted that, but, but he still listened to the teaching anyways. It's like he couldn't get enough. He gave an audience to a false prophet, and he gave, became more wrapped up in that than he was in the truth. Believer, do not give false teachers an audience, but do listen often to biblical teaching. It's good for us to grow, but don't give false teachers an audience. Church, here's the thing. 
We need to be spiritually discerning in this world. Because, you know, the devil, wow, he's as active as ever. In fact, you don't have to look very far to see the work of his children. It seems like every month there's some article about some satanic temple trying to set up statues or establish after-school Satan clubs for kids. Just last year, there were a couple viral, big-time music videos that had demonic imagery in it. Amazon recently launched a cartoon that centers around many demonic things, including portraying Satan as a well-meaning hero who is cruelly cast out of heaven. Our world clearly lives under the influence of the devil. So it shouldn't surprise us that there are many false teachers out there. That shouldn't surprise us. But we do need to exercise spiritual discernment so that we won't be caught off guard by those teachers. So to that end, do not be quick to believe every teacher and every teaching. No, test the spirits. Rely on the Holy Spirit living within you and rely on the truth of God's word. And when you identify a false teacher, a false prophet, flee far from them. Don't give them an audience. Rescue other people with you too. Now don't fear them but be aware of them. Don't fear the devil, but be prepared to do battle with the devil. Again, to that end, we must exercise spiritual discernment. So let me ask you, believer, which of these do you need to work on most? Because surely there are some of these areas all of us can grow in. So believer, let me ask you, which of these do you need to work on most? Maybe it's putting to the test the spiritual teachings that you hear. Maybe you need to work on that. Go home, open up your Bible. Are these things true? Or maybe you need to work on fleeing from those that you know are false teachers. Believer, are you filling yourself with true biblical teaching? Are you studying God's Word often so that you would know the truth? Have you made that a habit in your life? Believer, consider this. Have you made it a habit to rely on the Holy Spirit for guidance and for wisdom? I have a feeling for many of us, if not all of us, there are some areas here where we could grow in. Okay? We could do a better job of these things. The point is that we need to be spiritually discerning because here's the truth, church. The truth this morning is this. The devil, the devil delights in misleading Christians. All right, but spiritual discernment will keep us from his deceit. You need to remember that. The devil, oh, he loves it. He loves misleading God's people. Again, you're wrapped up in half-truths, which are whole lies, getting you wrapped up in misunderstanding the gospel. Because then you can't share the gospel with people. Then you're not going to live for God. He loves misleading Christians. But spiritual discernment is going to keep us safe from that. So this is my prayer for you this week, church. My prayer for us, same as Paul's prayer for the Philippians. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. He wrote this. He said, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And that's my prayer for us, church. And friend, if you're here and Jesus is not your Savior, my prayer for you 
If Jesus isn't your Savior, please understand my prayer for you is that you will not fall for the devil's lies either. Because if you're here and Jesus isn't your Savior, surely by this point you have heard one of the devil's prominent lies that he's convinced many people in the world, and the lie is this. There's nothing after this life. So it doesn't matter how you live your life. Do whatever you want. Prominent lie. A lot of people have bought into it. Friend, understand, nothing could be further from the truth. Eternity is after this life. And each of us will spend eternity in one of two places. One is that we will be with God for all eternity in his presence. The other option is we'll be separated forever from God in a place called hell. And the Bible is clear that our sin, all the bad things we've done, our wicked deeds deserve the penalty of hell. See, the devil doesn't want you to know that because the devil wants you to be with him for all eternity. He wants you to be in hell. But you know the good news is that in his overwhelming love for us, in his desire that we would be with him, Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross for our sins, took the penalty that we deserve so we could be pardoned from hell, so we could be forgiven, so we could have eternal life. Jesus powerfully rose from the dead, and right now Jesus stands in heaven waiting to forgive you of all your sins, waiting to save you from hell, waiting to be your Savior. And friend, this is what the Bible does say. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you have never done that, I pray that you do that today. Let's pray together, church. Friend, if that's where you're at today, if you're here, you, you don't know where you're going to spend eternity. You don't know if Jesus is your Savior. Friend, then I want to encourage you, let today be the day that you go to Jesus Christ for forgiveness, that you put your faith in Him, that you receive eternal life. Jesus has been waiting your whole life for you to do that. And if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to repent of your sin, turn your life over to Jesus Christ, you can follow me in a simple prayer like this one. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I broke your commands. But Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you didn't stay in the grave, but that you rose from the dead. Jesus, today I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins. I'm asking you to be my Savior. I'm ready to follow you all the days of my life. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's anybody here who still hasn't made that decision, I pray that they would do that before they leave this place. I pray that they'd ask someone their questions before they leave, that they'd come and find me here at the front during this final song so we can talk about these things. And Father, for those of us who have made this decision, who put our faith in Jesus Christ, help us to be aware of the fact that our enemy is active in this world. Now, there are many false teachers, false prophets, just waiting to lure us away from you and into selfish living. Help us not to fall for these spiritual scams. Help us not to be caught unaware by our enemy, the devil. Help us not to be devoured by his lies. Now instead, help us to be a group of believers that exercise spiritual discernment. Father, that we wouldn't be quick to believe everybody who has some spiritual teaching. Instead, that we would test the spirits. That we would rely on the Holy Spirit living within us. That we would rely on your word. Father, what a joy to be with our family in Christ because we can also find spiritual strength among one another.
That's a blessing. But sometimes we're not with the family of Christ. Sometimes we find ourselves alone out in the world and we're not sure what to believe, so we praise you that you're always with us. That your Holy Spirit lives within us. So help us to be diligent to ask you for guidance and wisdom so that we wouldn't be caught off guard, unprepared, unaware. But that instead, we would live in the truth so that we can point other people to you. Father, we love you. You proved long ago when you sent your son that you love us more. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.